Welcome to The Backstory with Dr. Ricky Singh. This podcast is focused on bringing you the latest research-based information about dramatically improving health, well-being, and quality of life. And here's your host, Dr. Ricky Singh. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Backstory. I wanted to talk to you about something that's been presenting to our sports and spine clinics a lot lately. And it's a relatively new sport, but it's gained tremendous popularity over the last 10 years, specifically probably over the last two or three summers. And this is a sport called pickleball. Now, for many Americans, the pandemic sport of choice was pickleball. And if you haven't heard of pickleball, it's one of the fastest growing sports recently. It's a combination of ping pong, badminton, and tennis. And there's not much running similar to tennis, so it's relatively easy to pick up and start to play. But what's the backstory on pickleball? Well, pickleball was developed in 1965 by former Washington State Congressman Joel Pritchard. And he and his friends were messing around. They were looking to play badminton, but they were unable to find a full set of rackets. So they improvised. Basically, they played with these wooden ping pong battles. They used a perforated plastic ball like a wiffle ball. And with this random collection of equipment, they played on an asphalt surface using a badminton net, which they adjusted to a height similar to that of tennis. And working with their group of friends, they eventually developed a permanent set of rules for this sport. What's interesting is that their intention was just to develop some activity for their entire family to enjoy. But within the first two years, the first permanent court was constructed next to the Pritchard home. And within a few more years, there was a corporation that developed to protect the sport. And since its inception in 1965, this sport has grown and grown and now played in almost 50 states. If you want to hear a funny story and an anecdote about how the name of the sport was developed, there are two different stories. Well, the first story comes from Joel Pritchard's wife. And she said that she started calling the game pickleball because it was a combination of many elements from multiple different sports. And this kind of reminded her of something called the pickle boat in crew, where oarsmen were chosen from the leftovers from other boats. But another account suggests that the game was actually named after the Pritchard's dog, Pickles. But either way, in the very early development of their game, there was no official name assigned to it. So what is pickleball? It's a highly social sport. It can be played both indoors and outdoors. It's estimated that almost 5 million people play the pickleball regularly. And again, in the last three years, it is the fastest growing sport in the United States. What are some of the rules of pickleball? Mind you, I have not played pickleball yet, but I am planning to play this coming weekend. So depending on when we air this episode, I will have either played by now or I am just about to. But basically, pickleball can be played both indoors and outdoors. The court is 20 feet wide by 44 feet long, which is comparatively smaller than a tennis court, which is 36 feet wide and 78 feet long. But similar to tennis, pickleball can be played either as singles or doubles. The net is slightly lower for pickleball. It's 34 inches compared to 36 inches for tennis. But the premise of the sport is similar to the other racket sports. Basically, To score a point, you hit a hard plastic ball, similar to a wiffle ball over the net. You serve underhanded. There is a no volley zone, which is unlike tennis, where you cannot get too close to the net in order to volley. 
And you keep volleying back and forth with your opposing team until either the ball is hit out of bounds or there's a fault. Uh, only the serving team can sco score a point and games are typically played to 11, 15 or 21. And the winning team has to win by two points. So that's kind of the gist of pickleball. And while it is easy to pick up, while it's a relatively benign sport, there are risks. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Many people out there think that pickleball is less physically demanding than its tennis counterpart, which is probably true. And it is easier to pick up on later in life. So typically when people decide to start playing pickleball, they aren't really as active or as young as they once were in the past. And if you look at some of the data that's coming out recently in some of the sports literature, more than 90% of the injuries that are associated with pickleball occur in patients who are 50 years or older. In one article in the Journal of Emergency Medicine in 2019, stated that there were 19,000 pickleball injuries that year. So let's talk a little bit about why this is happening. Why is the sport gaining so much popularity? What are some of the common injuries that we are seeing in our clinics? And most importantly, what can you out there do to avoid some of these common injuries? Now, it's easy to get obsessed with pickleball. And as I mentioned before, I have never played, but in a couple of days, I will be out there on the court in Central Park near Woolman Rink. So if you're around there, please come by and say hello. But patients tell me that pickleball is very fun. It's very easy to be competitive. It's extremely social. And many people play with hours on end multiple times a week. And given that it's usually a departure from many patients' normal activity, that's where that significant increase of injury can come into play. And many of the injuries that we are seeing in clinic aren't necessarily unique to just pickleball. In fact, if anyone was to significantly increase their activity levels, they would probably be at higher risk. But what's different about pickleball is that it's very accessible to a different demographic. You don't see a lot of people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s just picking up soccer or picking up football. You see them picking up less physically demanding sports like golf. And now here we have pickleball. But pickleball does require a lot of cutting and twisting and pivoting. And for many people who pick up this sport late in life, that puts them at an increased risk of injury. People in this age group tend to have bones that are a little more brittle. They tend to have muscles that are a little less dynamic, a little less elastic. Sometimes the body isn't used to that much force. And I hope I'm not painting a picture where you can't participate in pickleball. I just want you to be aware of some of the risks. So let's talk about some of the common injuries that we are seeing in pickleball. We're seeing a lot of ankle injuries, Achilles tendon tears, shoulder problems like rotator cuff, lower back injuries, disc herniations and sciatica, lateral epicondylitis, which was formerly known as tennis elbow as, and is now actually being called pickleball elbow. And finally, probably the most severe injury is head injuries. And this can occur from patients falling backwards while chasing a ball. So most of the common injuries can be categorized into one of three categories. The first is sprains and strains. The second is overuse injuries. And the third and potentially the most worse is some type of traumatic injury. So the most common injuries are reported from pickleball tend to be a sprain and a strain. And the way to remember it is a strain is a muscle problem and a sprain is a ligament problem. And with pickleball, we're seeing a lot of calf strain, hamstring strain, Achilles tendon issues on the back of the heel, 
and ankle sprains, which involve some of the ligaments. And strains tend to occur anywhere in a muscle, anytime it's overstretched, anytime you're exerting more force on a muscle, you are putting it at risk for a strain. There are mild pulls and there are more severe pulls where the muscle can actually tear and they are classified into three different grades. So the first grade is a mild strain where patients report some tenderness, some pain, but usually patients have full range of motion, no loss of strength, and it takes a few weeks to recover. Grade two strain is a little bit more moderate impairment. Patients might have more significant pain and tenderness in the muscle or the tendon. The joints may not range as well as they used to, but typically the recovery time is about four to eight weeks. And then grade three strain, which is the most severe, may result in immediate pain at the time of injury. And sometimes there's an audible pop. There might be a palpable defect in the muscle, and this can lead to swelling and edema. And often with grade three strains, there is a rupture of the muscle. Recovery time here is about two to three months, and sometimes this can require surgery to fully heal the injured tissue. Now, sprains, on the other hand, again, occur in ligaments. These are non-contractile tissues. They're not muscle. They're not tendon. They're in ligaments that connect one bone to the other. But similarly, these can occur when the structures are overstretched. They also come in different grades and different categories based on their severity. Grade one is a mild sprain. There might be some tenderness around the joint. Typically, you recover it in a couple of weeks. You use ice and you use some relative rest. A grade two sprain is more moderate. There could be some partial tearing of the ligaments on a microscopic level. But again, recovery is usually full. It takes maybe a month or two. And finally, grade three strain is a complete tear of the ligament. And again, you might hear an audible popping sound of the ligament at the time of injury. Recovery time, again, could take a few months and surgery may be required to achieve optimal functional satisfaction. The second big category is the overuse injuries, which is tendonitis or tendinopathy. And we've talked about this on a previous episode. And why this happens is basically when you're accustomed to doing something five times, but then you do it 50 times, you are putting yourself at an increased risk of developing a tendon issue. In terms of the category, tendinopathies are dysfunction involving the tendons. Remember, the tendons are the portion of the muscle that connect to our bones in order to provide a link between the muscle and the bone, and this is what enable us to create movement. Tendinopathy can be classified into two categories based on the duration of injury, tendinitis and tendinosis. Now, tendinitis is in a more acute process. This again usually occurs to either overuse or poor biomechanics. And if you're listening out there and you have an injury that's less than four weeks old, it's probably in the category of tendonitis. There's likely some active inflammation going around inside or outside the tendon. If your injury is longer than six or eight weeks, it's probably going to be referred to as tendinosis because there might be some degeneration of the fibers of the tendon. Rehabilitation is usually the best staple exercise to recover from tendinosis. In these situations, ice, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories will likely not resolve your problem because you're outside that acute inflammation window. You are in the tendinosis category, not in the acute tendinitis category. Some of the best exercises to help with chronic tendon issues are something called eccentric strengthening exercises. And basically 
This is the best way to strengthen the muscle tendon structure by lengthening your muscle against resistance. Now, where do we see a lot of these tendon issues when it comes to pickleball? The most common areas are at the elbow. I mentioned lateral epicondylitis, which we used to call tennis elbow and now is being called pickleball elbow. The other common place is in our kneecap, a tendon called our patella tendon. Now, many times when there are injuries regarding the knee, they occur because there's an overactivities of our quad muscles, which are the muscles that sit on our thigh, coupled with an underactivity of our glute muscles, which are our butt muscles that help us bring our hip backwards or bring our hips to the side, abduct our legs. And when there is an imbalance between your quads and your glutes, this can lead to an increased stress in your patella or your kneecap, leading to patella tendinitis or tendinosis. Now, the last category which is relevant, is traumatic injuries. You'd be surprised, but falling while playing pickleball actually happens fairly often. And the most common type of fall occurs when someone trips while they are backpedaling to get an overhead ball. And the tripping isn't necessarily the worst part, but it's the landing that can lead to bruises, fractures, and worst case scenario, sometimes a traumatic brain injury. And everyone probably knows what a fracture is. Basically, it's when one of your bones breaks. And the most common type of fracture in pickleball occurs in the wrist and the hand. This is when you're trying to catch yourself from falling. And it can lead to a foosh injury. F-O-O-S-H, which stands for fall on outstretched hand. Now, the reality is, is that we all get a little bit older. Our balance, our proprioception, our reactive time all tend to degrees. So when we fall, instead of bracing ourselves like we were once able to, this fall can result in a fracture or even a more severe injury. So I hope I haven't scared you yet with all the potential problems and pitfalls and risks associated with pickleball. But I want to encourage you because there are ways on how to prevent some of these injuries. And the short answer here is that you really need to build up slowly. Your activity tolerance, instead of just jumping straight into pickleball, You need to get into shape, just like anything else. Now, many might think that pickleball is a relatively benign sport, but you might be wrong. If you want to decrease your likelihood of injury, follow some of these easy tips. Now, the first is something called plyometrics. Plyometrics are dynamic exercises that aren't just walking on a treadmill or walking in place or going up and down stairs. These are exercises where you are moving in multiple planes of direction, both forwards, backwards, sideways, diagonally. And when you start doing some of these plyometric exercises, start with some low impact and gradually increase your intensity until you feel comfortable moving in all directions. Stretching is also super important, something that I personally need to work on, both dynamic stretching and static stretching. So when you prepare yourself for pickleball, whether it's for practice or for a tournament or just playing with your friends, Make sure you start with some dynamic stretching before your activity. Don't hold a position for a prolonged period of time because you want to bring blood flow nutrients to the muscles to prepare you. After your level of activity or after you've played some pickleball, then you can engage in some static stretching, basically holding positions for 30 or 60 seconds, stretching out your hamstrings, stretching out your glutes, your upper arms, your shoulders. These are ways to prevent injury following an activity and getting you prepared for your next battle with your opponent. And if you have been injured, the best thing you can do is just stop playing. Maybe throw a bag of ice on the injured area. Maybe do some stretching exercises. 
If you are able to take some anti-inflammatory medicines like Aleve or Advil, try that for a few days to bring down the inflammation. And for most of the people out there, the pain should gradually improve over a couple of days. If you have significant muscle strain or a tendon issue, it could take a couple of weeks, but just be patient. And if it's any longer than that, then I would suggest seeking some medical attention, seeing a physical therapist or a sports medicine specialist who can help guide you to the next steps. So I hope I didn't scare you with all the information and all the potential injuries out there because pickleball is very fun. It is very popular. It is growing out there. It's an easy way to get physically fit. It's low impact in nature, so it can be enjoyed for people of all ages. And at the end of the day, I want you to stay active. I want to promote a healthy lifestyle. I just want you to do it safely. So take a few steps in preparation, know your body, know its limits, but get out there, grab a friend, get to Woman's Rink in New York City, grab a seat at the cabana. I'll be there this weekend, enjoying my first round of pickleball ever. Until then, we've got your back. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Backstory. Please subscribe, rate the podcast, and review The Backstory on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. And feel free to share this podcast on social media or even your own website or blog. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. To learn more about Dr. Singh and his clinical research, please follow him on social media. You can also sign up for his new newsletter by going to www.rickysingmd.com. That's R-I-C-K-Y-S-I-N-G-H-M-D.com.